interest rates may not stay low forever. So if rates start coming back up, you have the somewhat weird scenario where the economy is improving, interest rates are going up, and then the stock market starts coming under pressure instead of going up with it. We're about to hear my conversation with David Arpin. This podcast is a bit of a departure from our other podcasts, and you'll be seeing more and more podcasts from us that are topical, shorter in length, and very specific. David was kind enough to share his thoughts today on the current equity market valuation, where he sees valuations going, how interest rates impact these valuations, and potential upside still left in the market. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be here with David Arpin. David is the lead portfolio manager of the McKenzie U.S. Growth and McKenzie Global Growth Funds. Uh, he is co-lead of the Blue Water team, and uh, he is a returning guest to our podcast. So, David, welcome back. Thanks very much for having me. David, I've invited you back um, to help me with uh, a question that I've been having, uh, and many of my clients have had as well, which is all about the current valuation of the stock markets. Uh, if you had perfect foresight back in December or January, and you could predict COVID, you could predict the lockdowns, uh, you could predict the fact that we're sitting here in September with 10% unemployment in the U.S., you might be forgiven for not predicting that stock markets would be reaching all-time highs. So I'd love your perspective on what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at what's happened in the economy, you compare it to what's happened in the market, and it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense here. Um, and it, there's been a few things that have driven it. Um, you know, we we saw coming into uh, into the downturn that the economy will come back over time, uh, you know, as we have a vaccine and as things improve. But there's obviously something else going on. You, you would have expected the market to be down a fair amount at this point. And as we came through the recovery and the front end of it, you know, you saw these various letters to describe what was happening, whether it was a V-shaped recovery or an L-shaped or a U-shaped. And a couple of days ago, I saw a new one, which was K-shaped, and I kind of liked it because um, what they're trying to suggest here is that a portion of the stock market has done exactly what you would have expected. That's anything to do with travel or anything to do with restaurants or anything to do with a lot of traditional retail. The stocks have gone down and they've pretty much stayed down. But then we have the other arm of the K where things have gone straight up, uh, you know, and a big portion of that has come from the IT space, come from the technology space. And particularly for the S&P 500, information technology is a huge component of the market. And that's really what's driven the rally here. Right. So even even though when we take a look at technology valuations, clearly they are are quite high. Um, I'm curious on your opinion, if you if you believe those valuations are stretched um, and, and even I know that if you dissect the market, technology is leading. There's still a, a substantial amount of the market that's down a little bit, but not nearly as much as you typically think given overall market conditions. So any any uh, thoughts on valuations of, uh, of tech in general and then overall uh, market participants? Sure. For technology in general, Dean and I both invested through the 1998-1999 period, and there's certainly a bit of that flavor of, of, of froth and of bubble 
and of you know kind of what we saw during the dot com period where some companies that really you know they don't have uh, much in the way of underlying earnings or much in the way of underlying cash flows and they're being given mass valuations in the market it, right now it just seems very much concentrated in the technology area more broadly for the overall market you know part of it is is a bit of a look through where i think most of the the major investment groups are now kind of looking into 2021 looking into 2022 and kind of thinking about how the businesses will perform as the environment gets more and more normal but there's definitely another piece here and that's really around discount rates around what should you pay for a business in a world where interest rates are less than one percent I can't think there's anybody involved in the financial markets who hasn't been staring at sub 1% interest rates and then kind of wondering how the average Canadian family is going to fund their retirement. And the answer is, you know, those numbers don't really work. Uh, and that doesn't work for pension plans either. It doesn't work for big global investment groups. So what happens is a lot of money starts looking for a higher rate of return, and it tends to start heading towards the stock market. And we think that's part of what's pushed things as well here. Maybe expand more on interest rates. I mean, uh, clearly interest rates being low, as you point out, encourages people to uh, go up into more risk uh, assets. Um, but interest rates have been low since 2008, 2009. Um, We're seeing valuations that are probably a little bit higher than uh, we had in the previous um, uh, 10 years. You know, what's, what's your thought on overall sensitivity to interest rates and, and why, why are we seeing it now? Yeah, I'm not sure why we're seeing it now. I mean, part of it is I think rates are so low and you have central banks coming out and saying they're going to keep them there. Um, it was kind of a similar setup in the late 1990s. We had the Asian crisis in 1998. Uh, so you had a big stock market sell off. Uh, we had long-term capital. We had the uh, the Federal Reserve coming in and, and really trying to support the market. And then because of concerns around Y2K, suggesting that they weren't going to take that support out anytime soon. And that, to some extent, really did touch off that particular bubble. So here we have, again, the Federal Reserve and central banks really talking about being on the sidelines for a couple of years, interest rates staying extremely low. Uh, and it just sort of removes that that buffer, that, that downward pressure of the fear that rates might spike up suddenly. And, you know, you have to sit back and kind of think about, uh, to us, the housing world, um, which seems like a bit of a stepping point off. But if you think of housing, we all know the Canadian story, but it's really a global story. I mean, Canadians and consumers globally seem to have decided that low rates really are pretty permanent, which means low mortgage rates are here to stay. And then they pushed housing prices up everywhere. And I think it's kind of the same story in the stock market. It, it takes a while for it to start to filter individual stocks and in the market in general. So, David, you referenced the valuations of the tech stocks. What do you think lies behind those high valuations? So there's sort of a mathematical sensitivity where each 1%, the discount rate falls, it pushes stock prices up by something like 20%. Um, you know, if you think about it from a from a dividend yield standpoint, it's probably a little bit simpler. If you think about a GIC that was paying you 5% and, and a fair value on a, a high quality blue chip growing business of having a dividend yield of also around, you know, maybe four or 5%. If the fair value, the fair dividend yield on that blue chip stock has dropped to 3%, it doesn't sound like a big move going from five to three. But to do that, if you flip it around, you discover that stock prices need to go up by something like two thirds, 65%. So you get this huge one-time adjustment 
in stock prices as dividend yields fall. Interesting. So how much of the market valuations and what you could see as a, as expensive or extended valuations could be attributed to interest rates? Yeah, the short the short answer on that is all of it can be attributed to interest rates. It's just very difficult without the benefit of hindsight to know how much really should be attributed to interest rates. So, you know, certainly if you take the Federal Reserve seriously, if you take the bond market seriously, if you say that the overall interest rate level is dropped by a couple of percent, uh, it's not unreasonable for stocks to go up 40 or 50 percent. The risk of all that, of course, is that interest rates may not stay low forever. So if rates start coming back up, you have the somewhat weird scenario where the economy is improving, interest rates are going up, and then the stock market starts coming under pressure instead of going up with it. So under the scenario where interest rates start to climb again, you're stating that the economy may improve, but valuations would come down, which is nearly the opposite of where we are right now. Um Maybe based on where we are right now, do we still have room to, to run on the stock market or are things getting to the upper end of, uh, of expensive? So the short answer on that is, is that it's exactly impossible to say what the stock market will do over time. Um, you know, even within our lifetimes, we've seen these huge swings in terms of valuations. Uh, we're nowhere close to where we were in 1999. Do we go back there? Have absolutely no way of knowing. Um, in terms of the market coming under pressure with rising rates, we saw that fairly recently. That was really the fourth quarter of 2018, where you know, interest rates had started to back up. Uh, the Federal Reserve was talking about taking them up fairly aggressively. I think we got to around three and a quarter percent on the 10 year U.S. Treasury. And then global markets started to come under severe pressure and dropped around 20 percent. So, you know, even fairly minor moves in rates off a pretty big stock market sell off that's quite fast. Uh, it's just unfortunately, you, you can't predict the direction of the stock market. So all you can do is sort of think your way through the fundamentals and try to do something that's that's reasonable and makes some sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, sounds like if I can characterize you, you're, you're um, obviously you, you uh, don't pretend that to be able to predict the stock market future, um, but it seems as though you're in the camp that we're not in a particularly uh, bubble uh, at this point in time. You're going to know the answer to that with some historical perspective. So, you know, as we always say, if it just put me forward five or 10 years and I'll tell you exactly what to do. Um, so there's no real way to know. Do we necessarily have to be in a bubble now? Our valuation's completely extreme. They don't seem to be. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, if you take a 1% GIC seriously, um, and if you look at what's happened in Japan, where interest rates have been low for an extended period in Europe, where interest rates have been low for extended an extended period, valuations are high, but they certainly are not at levels which, which are absurd relative to competing asset classes. David, thank you very much for those insights. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. 
forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.